We're just reading this morning from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18, which will be on the screen behind me, but you can also find it in your Bibles on page 1103. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptised with water but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Great, thanks, Helen. Just like old times, really. Um, it is so good to be here. Thanks for your warm welcome. And Jamie, uh, again, very generous uh, in your words. So we'll talk afterwards. Um, what we're going to do is just dig into this, this passage and think about a, a few things. I did promise I wouldn't tell any stories about Jamie, okay? So, and I'm also not going to, uh, um, uh, yeah, let too many trade secrets out. But uh, I want to start off getting you to think about a place called Siberia. The nation of Siberia encompasses two-thirds of Russia, has 40 different language groups, uh, average temperature minus 68 degrees. Why are Christians going the distance to take God's word to Siberia in Russia of all places? Well, Christian Vladimir Leonov, who has gone the distance, says this. We believe that even here in Siberia, at the true ends of the earth, nothing can stop the word of God. Only God and his life-giving word are capable of transforming people's lives. Whether in Siberia or in regional, rural and remote Australian communities or in the suburbs around CLG where you live, the book of Acts teaches us that nothing can stop God's word advancing his, God advancing his word in God's world because everyone needs to hear it. The book of Acts, of course, tells a story of God's story. 
The story of the early church after the risen Jesus, he's ascended to heaven, he's at his father's right hand, the father and son have poured out the Holy Spirit on his apostles to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our reading today from Acts chapters 10 and 11, it's known as the Gentile Pentecost. Uh, it's a hinge in history that has happened in our world today. I don't know if you've ever done one of those exercises where you've tried to summarise the key, you know, moments in your life where, you know, where your life's really been changed or impacted. You know, you were born, whatever, started school, uni, you got married or had kids, whatever. But just those sort of key events in your life that are hinges in your history. Well, you step back and look on the, on, on, across the history of the world uh, and the Bible helps us to understand what are truly the, the big hinges in history that have profoundly shaped our world for what it is today. In fact, I want to suggest that without this act of the Holy Spirit here in Acts 10 and 11, you and I probably wouldn't be Christian, this church wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be part of planting churches among the Gentiles. The question for us this morning to think about, for you guys as a church, is how this act of the Holy Spirit all those years ago in Acts 10 and 11, how should this continue to inform and profoundly shape what good might look like for Christ's people here at CLG in the next one to two years? If you were to aim at something, pray for something, what would good look like? That reading can be chunked under three headings. Deeply disturbing news, Peter's divine defence, a church convinced and converted. So open it up in your app, uh, favourite Bible app, your phone, uh, all the Bibles you've got there. And we begin with deeply disturbing news. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea, they heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So that when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticised him, saying... You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. When were you last shocked by news that you'd heard about someone third hand? You know, you thought you knew this person pretty well. And you've heard this news and you think, what? No, that just doesn't sound like them. What? No, that can't be right. Well, see, it's news like this, but even much more volcanic, (laughs) that has hit the Jewish Christian church, uh, that Gentiles are becoming Christian. But yet, why is their reaction not to praise God, but to criticise Peter for who he's eating with and who he's stayed with? So to understand the why and how it might apply to us this morning, let me just give us a bit of background. If you go back in biblical history, when God called Abram, uh, saved people um, out of you know, slavery in Egypt to be his people, God declared very clearly that his purpose for his people, Israel, was to be his holy people, like God, set apart from the nations in order that through them, as they lived as God's people, as they uh, imaged God to the nations around them, that people from other nations might want to come and join them and worship the Lord God as their God. And so to help mark them out and protect his people from the pagans, sort of nations, gods, and getting them into false worship, and, and you know, to help separate them and, and getting tempted by all the practices and the behaviours of the nations around them, 
God instituted food laws declaring many of the animals and the foods of the nations unclean. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 11. This means that if a Jewish person ate the food of an uncircumcised non-Jewish person in their house, for example, it would defile them. It would make them ritually and socially unclean. The food laws in particular were about segregation and separation. God trying to keep his people holy, pure, set apart. And so, um, in particular, as you read about all the things that could make uh, a Jewish person uh, ritually defiled, socially unclean, a lot of them actually have to do with body fluids. Body fluids being where they shouldn't be, outside the body. Uh, Someone uh, defined dirt uh, as just being um, matter out of place. (laughs) But so things like menstrual and sexual discharges, skin eruptions like leprosy, touching dead people, unclean, evil spirits. The list is long in the Old Testament that could defile a person, make them unclean ritually and socially and exclude them. And so archaeological evidence reveals first century Jews of Jesus' Jesus' day were preoccupied with this purity and ritual washing. Um, And so most Jewish homes I've discovered had cleansing baths built into their basements. The pools of Siloam and Bethesda used by the thousands of Jews coming in three times a year for the festivals to ritually cleanse themselves. And so for a Jew in Jesus' day, every day was dominated by clean and unclean foods and whether a person was in a state of purity or defilement according to the laws of Moses. See, have you ever wondered why as soon as you get into the Gospels... Um, what, what sort of is front and centre is the reaction of the religious leaders about who Jesus is hanging out with and what he's doing? Why Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, touching lepers, dead people, get such a violent reaction from these religious authorities? This is why the news of Peter eating and staying with Gentiles gets such a volcanic reaction. It does from this early Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem. And so now we come to Peter's divine defence in verses 4 to 17, which is really a summary of uh, what happened in Acts chapter 10. Now we're in a regional city called uh, Caesarea. Um, It was sort of like the Canberra of its day. Caesarea was the centre of Roman administration in the province of Judea. The Italian uh, centurion Cornelius, he's a captain of 100 soldiers in Caesarea. He's an important man. But we heard this this centurion, he's a God-fearing Man, a Yahweh-fearing man. He actually prays to Yahweh, um, gives tithes, he's generous to others. I mean, this, he's a good guy. In the eyes of Jews, he's a good guy. He's a friend of the Jewish nation. But yet as an uncircumcised Roman Gentile, according to all of the Old Testament uh, covenant Jewish laws, Cornelius would always be seen as unclean, defiled. He'd be spiritually contagious, like having COVID in the early days. Do you remember the early days of COVID? It was like, woo, woo. It was like sort of, you know, everyone was a leper. It was keep your distance, stay away. And um, I don't know if you, we've relaxed a bit now. But it's a bit like that. Acts 10 and 11 is the risen and reigning Jesus teaching his church then and now how his death and resurrection is the massive game changer forever for all nations. And so it begins as with the risen Jesus interrupting with two visions. The first occurs at 3 p.m., Um, when this unclean, spiritually contagious Gentile centurion Cornelius, he's told by an angel, okay, it's an audible external voice, told by an angel, 
to send specifically for the Apostle Peter who's staying at Simon the Tanner's house down the road in Joppa. He does. Meanwhile, the next day, it's 12 noon, the Apostle Peter, he's up on top of Simon's house fasting and praying. And suddenly, God gives him a vision. And it's of the biggest sheet imaginable coming down from heaven full of the Adelaide Zoo. All the animals at the Adelaide Zoo, they're all on this sheet coming down and the clean and the unclean animals are all in there together, according to the Old Testament law, coming down and being taken back up three times. And Peter is commanded by his Lord to rise and eat. And you've got to love Peter. I mean, he just lets it all hang out, you know. No shame here. Three times, Peter says, no way, Lord. What? No way. I'm not about to break all these Jewish laws I've grown up with and it's all I've ever known and the social and cultural traditions. And no way I'm about to defile myself and eat unclean. No way. And three times a voice from heaven commands Peter to not call unclean what God has made clean. He's like, what? What's changed? What God has made, what God's made clean. Anyway, he's wondering what, what it all means. And suddenly, right at that moment, the two Gentile servants and the Roman soldier that Cornelius has sent to bring Peter back, they arrive at his gate, at Simon, Simon's gate there in Joppa. And the Holy Spirit again speaks to Peter. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I've sent them. Acts 10, 19 and 20. He does. Finally, Peter begins to obey the voice of the Lord. Still, what's it all mean? Anyway, next day, Peter and his six Jewish Christian mates, they walk through the pagan Gentile door of Cornelius' house. Surprise! It's a surprise party. The house is chocker. It's full of people. Uh, I once threw a surprise party for my wife in the early years of our marriage, and she just said, it was for her 40th, Please don't ever do that again. I haven't yet. Anyway, um, but as we turn to what Peter actually says, he's there. He's like, whoa, the the place is chockers. We read in, in chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, and he said to them, you are well aware that is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. The first thing out of his mouth You guys know I shouldn't be here, according to my law. You see, it just dominates his whole worldview, how he's seeing people around him. We can feel the bias and the blinkeredness and the the cultural prejudice that that Peter and his six Christian Jewish mates, I mean, they've grown up with all their life. It's all they know. What is God doing here? What does Peter say next? But God has shown me that I should not call any person impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. The penny's starting to drop. He's no longer objecting but obeying God's voice. And so from chapter 10, verses 34, 35, we read that Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. What's Peter realised? That when it comes to God, there is no partiality with God and with who God wants to save. Jesus is a favouritism-free zone for every human being on the planet. And of course, you and I wouldn't be here. If God played favourites, you and I would not be here. Do you realise this? 
with Jesus. There is no racism, no sexism, no ageism, no classism. There's just, you know, what, what, what is in uh, Galatians 3, you know, 11, neither Jew or Gentile, neither African or Australian. Neither, I mean, there's just no favourites. God is impartial as he looks upon humanity. We're all on the same starting line. We all need exactly the same thing from God. But here's the thing. This is how it should be for Jesus' people. What does it mean for us to imitate this God doesn't play favourites, this impartiality? It's why wherever you travel in the world or the nations that are coming here, there's no better community a human being should be able to experience than a local church community. To come and experience God's impartial love, a godlike welcome, acceptance and hospitality and friendship where they can come and safely learn the good news of Jesus. Min and his mum and dad, they immigrated from Hong Kong to Roxbury just three weeks before I met them. Uh, it was Sunday morning, uh, dad was working, uh, Min coming along with, with, with his mum. They turn up at Roxby Downs Community Church. They're looking for community, for help, for friendship. For They've just not just arrived to Australia, they've arrived in Roxby Downs. <laughs> they don't speak English very well at all. Now, how good Glenn and Beth and their five kids are there to welcome them? And other Christians that are up there living and working in the town to love them, to help them settle in. And most importantly that they're there to help them to learn the good news of Jesus for their life. Just like Peter did for those people crammed into Cornelius' house on that momentous day that changed history forever. And so we read in Acts 10 that he goes on to preach the gospel. He says, we are witnesses of all that Jesus did. How they put Jesus to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. And Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone, that anyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness through his name. Do you know this? Do you believe it? That he, Jesus, in the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead of every human being on the planet. That he's the one before you and I will stand and have to give an account. He is the one with all the authority of God in, in the universe to cast people into hell for eternity. Or to welcome you to eternal life with him in eternity. And he can do that because everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And there's no other religion, philosophy or God dishing out forgiveness and a full pardon like this. It's just Jesus. It's the message that was, 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 was taught to us. It's the message that we have that's so precious to, to share with others. Again, do you believe this? And so we come to that third point, a church converted and convinced. Acts 10 and 11 record three convincing conversations with a question mark over the fourth, I should say, three convincing conversions with a question mark over the fourth. 
As we heard, God pours out the Holy Spirit resulting in the conversion of all the Gentiles there in Cornelius' house, men, women and children. It would be remiss of me not to ask if, if you've become a Christian yet. What must you do to be saved? Well, we've heard that Cornelius was a respected man in the Jewish society. He was a good guy. But was he acceptable to God because of his prayers to God and giving money back then? Well, no, Cornelius still needed to hear the gospel. He still needed to personally appropriate the message of the gospel for his own life, turn and trust and receive Jesus as his personal Lord and Saviour. Because there's no CV or resume of good deeds that can ever cleanse a person of sin and make them acceptable to God. By faith in this Jesus, we are forgiven and declared by God as blameless and acceptable to him because of Jesus' cross. And so whatever your rap sheet or, revenue or resume is this morning, maybe you could ask if anyone has a rap sheet, I don't know. But whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've come from, whatever's tucked away there, you know, filling you with guilt and... Friends, Jesus died on his cross in your place to make you clean and pure and forever acceptable to God. The moment you turn and receive Jesus... That instant you are declared forever acceptable to God, knowing that you can live the rest of your days, guaranteed that you will be received by God into heaven. Now, if you want to explore this message further, speak to Jamie, one of the team here. Please don't um, leave here this morning um, if, if you're being stirred about this. But that second convincing conversion there is Peter and his six Jewish travellers, isn't it? I mean, there's, I mean, they're not being converted to become Christian. Just think with me. We know that back at the beginning of Acts, isn't it, that Peter, the apostles, uh, you know, these Jewish Christians, they've heard Jesus himself say, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But what have they actually heard? You see, they've heard that through some pretty significant cultural biases and, and lens and filters, haven't they? See, I think they heard that message as you will take the gospel message to people of our kind and culture, to the scattered 12 tribes or nations of Israel who are everywhere out in these places. The conversion going on here for Peter isn't to become a Christian. It's the risen Jesus saying, saving them converting them from their culturally biased tribal Jewish gospel mindset to an unbiased all-nations gospel perspective. The Apostle Paul beautifully sums up um, what the cross means uh, for humanity in Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles had no hope being without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, like all the food laws, all abolished. So that he, Jesus, might create in himself one new humanity. One new humanity in place of the two, in place of the Jew and Gentile. There is now only one new humanity, so making peace. 
And so the way we are to look upon humanity now is you are either Christian or not. You are either in Christ or you are not. And so the third conversion going on, as we heard, is our passage today. It's the Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem, isn't it? Remember the gripe they had with Peter? You went into the house of uncircumcised people and ate with them. What? Peter's justification, it's summarised there in verse 17 of, of chapter 11. If then God gave the same gift of the Holy Spirit to them, just as he's given it to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? <laughs> Remember the last time he tried to do that, didn't go down so well. <laughs> But finally, the Christian Jewish leadership in Jerusalem, they see, wow, the cross of Jesus, that, that's, that's for anyone, that's for people of all nations. It's, it's, it's not a tribal Messiah, this Jewish Messiah is for all humanity of all time. Wow. And so they glorified God, saying then to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You see... Been converted from gripes to glorifying God. Finally, it's sunk in. Oh, or has it? <laughs> Interesting. You read through the book of Galatians, chapter 2. The Apostle Paul reports how when Peter came to the, the Gentile church at Antioch, he separated himself from the Gentile Christians to go and eat with the Jewish Christians, the Judaizers. And Paul rep reports how he rebukes Peter publicly in front of everyone. Now, in the chronology of Acts, this event occurs some time after Acts 10 and 11. We all know uh, how ingrained attitudes and fears and habits and behaviours take time to be changed, don't they? Is anyone here... Are you perfect? Are you not... Things that you don't... You're not being changed about you like... And, you know, you're busy, I know we're all busy, you're tired, you know, we're coming out of COVID, and I don't know about you, it's like, oh, hey, geek, let's have some people around tonight, it's just, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, we should have some of our new neighbours, we just sort of moved down to Waldinga, hey, let's have those people over, because they're like, you know, we've known them for ages, and they're like falling into that old lounge chair, you know, those old friendships and relationships that are just like, you don't have to explain yourself, you can just sort of let it hang out a bit, I call them lounge chair relationships, and... We all know how the habits and the, they take time to change, don't they? And I guess that brings us to the convincing and conversion of Trinity Church, Colonel Light Gardens. Um, and that's the one, I guess, with a question mark over it, isn't it? Heaven opening, the spirit descending on Gentiles, just like the Jews. There's no greater or louder way for heaven to announce God does not play favourites with people. He wants everyone to be saved. And so neither should his people, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Just like Jesus in the gospel, so in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit does something, it results in radical, subversive, countercultural hospitality being shown to people that you wouldn't normally hang out with. Just like for Jewish people in Jesus' day. And so for Muslims and people from other non-Western cultures today. The nations God is increasingly bringing to our streets and suburbs next door. Their days dominated 
by whether they are ritually and socially clean or unclean because of body fluids or food or whatever they've touched and these sorts of things. And this sounds really weird to us, I know. But we, in the West, we're the minority in this space. This is how the majority of humanity live each day. Moira Dale is, is a beautiful Christian woman I've met and... Um, her and her husband, Lauren, were CMS missionaries in Egypt for 10 years, living in Melbourne for many years now. But she shares a story how, um, from multicultural Melbourne, how she was visiting a Muslim friend of hers in hospital. And she noticed a Quran sitting next to her bed there in the hospital. And she just said, oh, you know, um, what are you reading in the Quran? She said, oh, oh, no, I'm not reading the Quran. I've got my period. And then she looked at Moira and says, what a, do you read your Bible when you're menstruating and unclean? A Christian man shares how he's standing outside of his church. He's waiting for a young Muslim man who's agreed to come along for the first time, but he's late. And he rocks up breathless. Oh, look, he confides in him, like, I'm really sorry. I, uh, I've just had sexual intercourse and I've not ritually washed yet. Hey, but c- can I still come in to, to, your, to your church? Because he wouldn't be allowed to enter into his mosque until he'd ritually washed himself. You see, what's fascinating in his mind, the problem wasn't his illicit sex, but that he he just was ritually unclean, defiled. Now, let's try and pull this together. What what might it mean for us and our shared mission to the nations here around the suburbs of Mitcham, but also further afield? Well, such is Jesus' holiness and purity in the Gospels. We always see contagion reversed. I mean, please read through Luke's gospel this week and notice how often clean and unclean and purity and defi- that sort of language appears. Rather than Jesus becoming defiled or unclean when he eats with sinners and tax collectors, touches unclean lepers or people overrun with unclean spirits or unclean dead people or, or women who are bleeding, so contagious is Jesus' all-powerful, beautiful, holy purity with a word, a touch. The unclean are made clean. The defiled are purified. The dead are brought back to life. So powerful is the gospel word of Jesus. And friends, it's the same gospel word that has saved you and I from hell to heaven, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's the same powerful, beautiful gospel word. And so might this part of Acts 10 and 11 be God's cattle prodder to all of us this morning to to pray and beg God to please begin to open our eyes and just to see, see the people, see the harvest around us, living next to us in our streets, our suburbs, just to see the people we live, work and play with, to see them as Jesus sees them. And that he might mercifully so fill us with something of the compassion that took Jesus to his cross, that he emptied himself. He emptied himself for the sake of our salvation. We think, well, hang on, who are these people? I did a little bit of research before coming today. Um, some census data from this year, the 2021 census data. Here's a snapshot of just eight of your local suburbs. What do you see? What do you notice? Like, well, that's Australia, firstly. Um, notice how many different language groups are spoken. 
different ancestries, nationalities living in Australia. There's over 7,000 language groups in the world. But God's slowly bringing more and more of them to Australia. Just the next slide. Thanks, Eliza. So here we've got Colonel Light Gardens, Mitcham, Lower Mitcham, Westbourne Park. You've got people speaking these sorts of languages from these sorts of ancestries living around you. And again, the next slide, Door Park, Melrose Park, Clapham, Panorama. And the thing that the, 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 the census data shows is that these numbers are increasing. We're becoming less and less Anglo in our streets and our suburbs. And so just like Cornelius did, I know this is a, I know this is a fantastic watering hole for people to come and be loved and to learn the gospel like no other. For you to be inviting the nations living in your own street or just people that you work and socialise with, just people that are different to you. That like no other, this is a favouritism-free community, one of the best in the whole area. That like no other, if people are invited and brought along here, they are going to receive a godlike welcome and love and acceptance and friendship like no other. Because, friends, our God, our Saviour, is like no other. Where else can they learn and experience the life-transforming power of Jesus? Then right here. Feels pretty ordinary. But there is stuff so powerful and beautiful going on here, like no other. I hope you know that. I asked you at the beginning how this hinge in history in Acts 10 and 11 might inform and shape what good could or should look like here in the next year or two for you guys as a church. Well, I want to suggest that good is not just growing in the number of middle-class Anglo-Aussies like us becoming Christian, people like us, like you and me. And that's really good. It needs to happen. There are so many of them. But how cool would it be if increasingly, you know, you're coming along every Sunday and you just notice more and more people who are just different to you, who look different, different colour, they speak different, they sound different, maybe they even smell different, you know. Um, They're just different of a different class, a different background, a different age and stage of life. How good would that be? See, I wonder if this passage is is, a healthy growing local church isn't one that's becoming bigger and more and more the same, but it's actually increasingly becoming different and more like the nations that are out there. BCA exists, and I'm here this morning hopefully to excite and and to enable Christchurch here at CLG to perhaps begin to see the nations living regionally, rural and remotely as well, that God is bringing to our towns. I'm sure you know that when people come and when they want to immigrate and they're after PR, permanent residency, they get extra points. They get shunted to the front of the queue if they're willing to go and live and work in places like Roxby Downs and, and, and communities and towns outside of our capital cities. Did you know that? And so this slide here, it got, we've got Darwin City, Roxby Downs, Murray Bridge. Look at that. Look at the ancestry. Look at the languages being spoken. Murray Bridge is going gangbusters. This year, BCA has just approved and is fully funding a church planner to go and start a church in Murray Bridge up there. Pray that God would raise up the right family to go and do that. As I said, there's more than 7 million people out there and it's growing. And again, this morning, it's just the invitation, the challenge to sign up, become a supporter, 
so that BCA can actually help you guys be who God wants you to be, you can be, to see the gospel make progress out there among the nations of Australia and beyond. It's funny, you know, it took three times for Peter to get on board with God's gospel plan. <laughs> Glenn uh, McDonald shares a story how it took three phone calls from the uh, national director of BCA to help them to see and start praying and think, oh, these people really need Jesus and I think we're the ones to take the gospel to them. And so he uproots from a large regional city, uproots his family, five kids, to go and live in the middle of the desert in a mining town. And they are having a ball. And wow, is God using them to make an impact for the kingdom. Could that be you? But I finished with the slide that I started with. Do you believe these words for your life? Why don't we finish saying them together? We believe that even here, nothing can stop the word of God. Only God and his life-giving work are capable of transforming people's lives. And the people said, Amen. Amen.